Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about a 27-year-old denizen of the planet Duck World, whose life is turned upside down when he is magically transported to the almost identical planet Earth. Our cigar-chomping, libidinous hero has a series of strange encounters, but sadly, no one cares. Or at least, <laughs> that's what I would be saying if I lived in an alternate reality in which a podcast remake of the 1986 film Howard the Duck was a great idea. Instead, this is a podcast principally consisting of yakking, breeze-shooting, verbal jousting, and robust exchanges of views about movies. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me is the dark overlord of the universe, Danny Moran. Hello! On this episode of Film Chat, we discuss two equally dramatically powerful films involving people coping in the face of overwhelming tragedy. The first, A Wolf at the Door, is a Brazilian film about parents investigating the disappearance of their daughter. The second, A Rational Man, is about a rich white guy who's a bit sad. It's very emotionally taxing. We also check out the latest news about indie darling Shane Cove, get you up to date on the next 6,000 Alien films, and ponder how a new Men in Black trilogy will affect the number of black people reigning in New York. <laughs> All of which gives me just enough time to read my recently finished book entitled 4K Interlaced Da Vinci, a comprehensive rundown of everything I've recorded in a segment which Katie... Well, well she's not here anymore, so I guess it's up to you if it makes the episode or not. Um, I'll pass judgment on that later. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. These good films, bad films, fun films, sad films. So, I wouldn't describe us as overloaded with correspondence from our fans this week. Yeah. But it's to be expected because we've mostly been off, off for a while, but then we came back. The last week's podcast was like four days late. Yeah, it was a disaster. Sam. It was a, well, we're not was... used to working without Katie, are we? We're useless without her. No. Like a marzipan dildo, you know? Just... <laughs> doesn't get the job done and makes a, makes a huge mess. But... Um, on a more positive note, Dougal did get in touch. Oh, brilliant. But unfortunately, his message is a bit negative. I was a little bit embarrassed about the audio quality last time. Wasn't up to our normal standards. 
Dougal agrees. He says, sounded like it was recorded with a Fisher Price walkie-talkie in a bin on the M25. I've heard tinier audio, but only on 90s Bob Dylan albums. Did they not let you take the kit into the whispering gallery, and that's why you had to use a dictaphone? Thomas Edison asked me to tell you he wants his wax cylinder back. Brutal. Ouch. I shed many tears per centers when I was reading that. Doodle. Um, thank you for lending us your... Some yeah, of your Doodle McQueen lent us the Zoom we're using at the moment because Katie took it along with um, a bit of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I guess maybe he regrets doing that now. I guess. Well, he doesn't like hearing his um, stuff misused. We're, we press the buttons pretty much at random on this thing and hope that it yeah. turns out. Okay. Um, Dougal was not satisfied with that particular <laughs> bit of slating and he came back a little bit later to add, is anyone free to come and hold my ear candle for me? Is that a criticism of us or is it some sort of odd <laughs> sexual request? Then he says, how long did it take you to hollow out that giant peach? Ah, oh, dear. Jesus, dear. It's brutal and upsetting. Our to... self-esteem hangs by a thread. Abs- yeah, exactly. Another comment like that and there could be no more film chat. Do Oop. you want to be the guy who ended film chat? We're both very fragile characters, Dougal. <laughs> Do you know how... My egg, my ego is like an eggshell. Yeah. My eggshell is like an ego. Am <laughs> <laughs> I working on? Fragile. You know, you drop me. That's it. Stick to praise if possible. But it was nice of you to write in. Yeah, Dougal, thanks. So appreciate that. Superhero films announced. Casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tips. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. So now a story which is a 9.0 on my cool story meter <laughs> Nice. Um, Men in Black is a franchise which Sony... Is it Sony, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sony is very div- um, intent on turning another buck out of Men in Black. They made Men in Black 3 quite recently to sort of widespread like indifference. And uh, there was some talk about doing a cro- universe crossover with 21 Jump Street and one of the like more bizarre... Um, ideas that major studios had recently and now they appear to be working on a new trilogy not just a new film it's all about the franchises now studios plot their movies like several at a time right sure sure and uh, there was an interview with sony producers walter parks and laurie mcdonald um, in which they said we're in the middle of it it's very active it will be reinvented as a trilogy and the most recognizable aspect of the franchise will smith is not part of it apparently what they couldn't they couldn't get Will that's Smith. like having you know a mission impossible film about tom cruise yeah will smith is the man in black that's true it's a very it's a very strange decision i mean really that's a franchise of like one good film <laughs> yeah <laughs> the first one is so good it's like something that it's they're like... really trying to turn into a franchise which is not really meant to be the first one is great and i also think it's a movie which uh every once in a while there's like a sort of men in black type movie comes out yeah, it's like I don't want to see Hellboy. You know, I just watch Men in Black. It's all like all yeah, that or um, um, R.I.P.D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of paranormal investigators sort of thing. Yeah, they like, like nailed comedy, it. The sort of comedy action thing. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've got such nostalgia for that first movie. You know, I watched those sequels, wanting to feel the same. The sequels just felt like you know. quite bad remakes of the original movie in some ways. You know, trying to like capture the original magic but not managing it. But yeah, I also feel like Will Smith is, I don't know, he's lost a bit of his cachet. I mean, he's, he was cool in the 90s. He's cool in Men in Black. Yeah. And now he's a bit not. I don't think he's that cool anymore. I think it's just like he's made his kids too weird and it his reflects badly His kids are super weird. And he's, a, he's obviously a massive narcissist. I think there's like a point when like boyish 
um you know bravado just becomes like obnoxiousness and i think that's kind of the older you get the more that that's true <laughs> come on now come on now come on will you're like a you know old millionaire man it's like <laughs> you can't just make a series of movies about how great you are all the time and expect people to stay interested so maybe the um not having will smith will allow them to do something new and fresh but also just do something else i don't know yeah just do something else do something else um, I'm not excited. Not excited. Uh, news of a more art house nature. You know, we cover the spectrum of cinema and film chat. We don't just care about mm. um, all this blockbuster. That's bullshit. why we have the widest possible fan base. That's why our fan base is huge. Stretches all the way to Thailand. Yep. Hi, hi uh, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> our one fan. <laughs> um, so, Shane Karouf, who is people might know as a writing director and star composer and uh, editor of yeah. uh, Primer and Upstream Colour. He's like the sort of one-man filmmaking guy. He's like, he's like this um, very clever engineer-turned-filmmaker who couldn't get any funding for his movies, so he just does everything himself. Exactly. And he made Primer in 2004, and then we had to wait a whole nine years to his next film, Upstream Colour, both of which were very well received by Critic, but perhaps not the biggest box offer box office hits yeah but uh he's one of those people who, i think he's like a name he's now people know who he is and he has a certain um expectations to his films that are attached now yeah i think um i don't know a lot of people like primer was a real sort of calling card movie and um you almost feel like if he'd made primer in like 2014 someone would have given him like godzilla the next day or something like that although maybe yeah. he doesn't um yeah maybe yeah. He, just, he doesn't sort of go for it but um yeah, he's obviously a really, really talented guy. And Upstream Colour was maybe not quite as good as Primer was, but still very interesting. Yeah, so. and he um, has just signed with the agency WME, and it looks like a bit of traction is going on his next film called The Modern Ocean, which is all about shipping routes. Finally, a yes. movie about shipping routes, Carrie routes, taking, as he would say. He's finally American, taking the shipping routes on, yeah. Uh, which is all about uh, the modern nature of how people design routes to... Um, transport transport cargo and the routes themselves become valuable and you can sell them off to people like how to get from a to b hmm. and that's uh that's interesting I've, I've never heard of a film that's tackled that before so it's already uh, points in the original department um but yeah he's a very interesting guy he also he's not a very good actor no but um, maybe if he gets some real money in his movies he won't have to be in them yeah i um my friend alex said that the reason he acts in his films and like does everything is just he just can't be asked to explain it to people his films are so complex he's like okay i need you to compose the music there it's like well, you know it's just gonna i'll just do it i'll just do it yeah okay. yeah you know I'll well, just act i've heard him when he was talking about primary it was just like that way he has to hire one less guy because <laughs> he like hired someone to act in his movie but there's like two main characters so he just like i'll just play the other one and he does a perfectly okay job in it yeah but then in upstream color i think a bit more acting is required and it's kind of a romance. Um, so, he, you know, he has to sell it a bit more. And he was, like, fine, but n not the strongest part. Yeah, but uh, it's always exciting. Uh, yeah. Next films are always things to look forward to. So I look forward to he's, that. He's going to do for shipping what Primer did for time travel. Yes. Whatever it, whatever that is. But anyway, it would be, it, yeah, it would be cool. If, if he's given, like, some money, I think it would be interesting to, see what, interesting to see what he does with it. Yeah. Do we know anything else? Who's in it or... Uh, no. I know it's called Mon Notion. I it's know he's shipping. making it. 
It's about shipping routes. Yeah. routes, routes. When I watched the shipping news, I was just disappointed by how little shipping was in that movie. So. There's hardly any shipping at all. Yeah, so yeah. It's bullshit. So it's, what the fuck? Shipping like, is like most of the yeah. title, letters-wise. I watched four lines. I'm like, what the fuck are the lines? Yeah. Bullshit, Chris Morris. So this better have an ocean in it, and it better be set right fucking now. <laughs> it better be set. Literally, <laughs> it should set it in the future when they're making it, so it's the present day when I'm watching it. So it's it. as contemporary as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Good luck, Kareth. Good luck. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Much coveted film chat prayers to you. Final bit of news. Film chat's favourite director, Sir Ridley Scott, has been talking about um, his upcoming project. Just coming out is The Martian, that yeah. um, film in which Matt Damon has to science the shit out of Mars in order to survive on it, yeah. which is apparently very good after he's made a string of somewhat underwhelming movies. Um, but now he's talking about the sequel to Prometheus, which was probably not the best received film that Ridley ever made. But maybe it made money. I guess it must it have done. made a shit ton of money. So the title of the sequel to Prometheus has been announced as Alien, colon, Paradise Lost. Wow. Wow. So Prometheus was set in the world of Alien, right? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a prequel. It was just... It was just sort of... In, it was sort of a prequel. Like it was set before the events of Alien. That's the one, yeah. But it was kind of like a separate story in the same world. But by calling the sequel Alien Paradise Lost, he's linking it very directly to the original franchise. Sure. So it's strange to name the sequel to a movie after a different movie you made, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is odd. I guess maybe Prometheus is, is a slightly tainted brand. I don't know. People are like, I don't want to see another Prometheus movie. Another Alien movie. It does It does sort of smell a little bit of um, studio telling him, just call it Alien, Ridley. Just call no it one Alien. wants to see Prometheus again. Yeah. People are going to think it's about, like, Greek myth. They're going to think it's about Clash of the Titans or something. Yeah, like that. maybe so. Empire asked Sir Ridley about... Um, do you think I should refer to him as Sir Ridley all the time? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, like, more respectful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Empire asked Sir Ridley uh, about the title of this movie. According to him, Paradise was a possible title for Prometheus, but the origins of this new title stretch back farther than that. Ridley says, Sir Ridley, excuse me, years ago I kept mulling over what Alien 2 could be. I was fiddling around with some ideas. I was always fascinated with why this thing, uh, the, the xenomorph, the sort yeah. of weird um, phallic alien thing, Yeah. Um, would be made by whom and for what purpose the planet it was on and i was looking at the dark side of the moon would be called paradise paradise is a very ominous word yeah Par yes. do you want to go to paradise fuck no oh, <laughs> Ooh, oh paradise oh. ominous what your, are you talking about <laughs> your idea of paradise might be something awful don't want to go there is this like more a reference to sort of john milton and the first one had this whole sort of like meeting your creators god bullshit and right. so it's just continuing on that theme. Yeah, maybe. I think this is my sort of pithy uh, reason why Prometheus is bad. It's like, if you make an alien movie, even though they said it wasn't an alien movie, but it is an alien movie, stick to, like, the Freudian dicks with teeth, uh, mm. vaginas, they're going to eat you, the sort of cesarean scene, that was all great. Like, less of the gods, you know, human Rodan statue stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, though. Just because... Um, it sort of reminds me a bit of the, uh, okay, this is not going to make much sense, but let me explain it. So it kind of reminds me of uh, the sort of Pirates of the Caribbean sequels in that they're these, fit, like, in the first sequel, they sort of, like, mess it up so much. The third one is absolutely insane, but it's like, the only reason it got made is because it's so lucrative financially. Yeah. So, like, that third movie is, like, absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, why, like, it's amazing that film got made. The only reason is because of these... 
um, you know... It's got the sort of franchise of... momentum there. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, like, the next Prometheus movie is going to be Numero Pace and Michael Fassbender's head in a bag flying somewhere. Yeah. Whatever film would start that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's true. Yeah, it is kind of interesting in that, in that way. And also because um, the second part of the Caribbean movie uh, introduces some, like, very strange ideas... And that and that made money anyway. Yeah. So he must have been like, I can do whatever the hell I want in the third Everyone, one. Like starts off with some kids being hanged, cuts to like China for some reason, they like, go in the underworld, Johnny Depp is murdering like different clones of himself, he rides some <laughs> rock crabs across the dunes. Yeah. The woman from Naomi Harris is a god. <laughs> she becomes huge. <laughs> The movie's incredible. Yeah. I won't hear a bad word against it. It's a masterpiece. Well, maybe Prometheus had that sort of black goo that did anything, right? It, like, turns you into a zombie. It, like, makes you give birth to a sort of weird octopus that itself <laughs> gives birth to something else. Turns you into, like, a crab man. Turns you into a weird yeah. crab. Yeah, a crab yeah. zombie man. Crab zombie man. And, like, uh, puts a kind of worm in your eye for some reason. It just does everything. It does whatever <laughs> they want, that the screenwriters wanted to do. So, having established that they can make a successful film with something so bizarre in it, what will the goo do next? What will the goo do next? In the third one, I mean, in, sorry, in the second one, presumably the goo can just do it. And now he's thinking, people will watch the original one, and that goo did like some pretty strange stuff. So, the goo next time is going to be... You know, gonna... makes you really good at playing cards. Yeah. It's going to, like, make you, like, super fast. I don't know, gives you, like, the face of a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Well, I'm the you. I touch the goo. Uh, touch it again, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. You touch it again and you just get a plate of scrambled eggs. It's just like... Uh, there's, a real, there's a lot of opportunities for them to do stuff with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they ever find themselves in a narrative corner, it's like break out the goo. Yeah. We're trapped. How do we get out? I don't know. Why do you eat some of that black goo in the corner? Brilliant. It turned my hands into keys. We can escape. <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah so i'm really looking forward there's to some it. reason to look forward to it cool, cool. yeah <laughs> i love talking about news yeah oh, what a shame it's over oh and now for danny to review a film he recently saw was it staggeringly brilliant was it ask continually poor how did danny form a judgment we're about to hear his thoughts if he does a rubbish job then sam will tell him off so sam the wait is over Finally, another Woody Allen film is out. Thank oh, God. After a mere 12 months. <laughs> there's arduous 12 months where I'm not watching Woody Allen film. So, Irrational Man, have you seen any Woody Allen film before? Yes. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> but I shall go through the plots. So, uh, Emma Stone plays uh, Jill. She's a student at, at a uh, Yale-type uh, Ivy League university. She's majoring in music, but she's taking classes in philosophy. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays Abe Lucas. He's this maverick... Uh, is he called Abe Lucas or is he called A. Blucas? <laughs> it's, it's Abe Lucas. Okay. But um, Abe Lucas would have been a much better title. Abe uh, Lucas, name. yeah. And title. <laughs> and title. Abe Lucas. <laughs> would have been a great title for this film. <laughs> so he's this maverick philosophy teacher. He's joined the uni, but he's in uh, existential funk. He's like drinking hard. He can't perform sexually. He's struggling to find a reason to live. Um, he starts his uh, friendship slash affair with another teacher called Rita, played by Parker Posey. And uh, also his friendship uh, blossoms with Jill and she uh, doesn't hide the fact that she has a huge crush on him. And one day in a cafe, they overhear these people talking about a really corrupt judge who's ruining people's lives. And Abe starts to consider murdering him. And by doing so, he can tangibly make the world a slightly better place. 
and uh, this idea starts to pull him out of his hole of despair and self-loathing. Here's a clip. Hi. You wanted to see me? Yes. Your your paper was quite good. Really? Yes. I read so many papers, and usually the students are merely paraphrasing what they've read, but I found your thinking fresh and well-presented. Oh, thank you. I'm flattered. Um, I have to say, I was I was very influenced by your ideas on randomness and chance. Oh. Well, the, the truth is, what I found most exciting was when you took issue with my ideas. When you disagree with me, uh, your arguments were well-reasoned and original. What an incredibly <coughs> That's amazing. well written... It's fizzing. It's actually fizzing, that scene. Probably took him weeks. Exactly. So... I didn't like this film. I thought it was one of Woody's more sort of lazier, rushed efforts. Um, I've seen all his films. I should make a disclaimer. So I am a bloody Woody Allen. Disclaimer slash um, post. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did my dissertation on Woody Allen. So I'm uh, very familiar with his themes. And he basically has a loose collection of ideas and themes which he revisits again and again. And one of them is the idea of murder, which he did very well in Crimes and Misdemeanors and then revisited again in Match Point. Which, which was less good. And then and again then, in Cassandra's Dream. And then again in Cassandra's Dream. And now again in this one. And, um, I mean, I guess all writer-directors have ideas they're interested in and sort of, you know, tackle the same ideas. Like, Lars von Trier has loads of similar things that run through all his films. But Woody Allen has made so many films that it's now a case of him just, like, repeating himself. And, like, repetition is, like, the sort of... Probably the key word of my review because there's a lot of re- repetition in the film. One of like the Woody Allen hallmarks is that characters just speak their mind all the time. Yeah. And just tell everyone how they're feeling. And that's true of all his good it's films like, as well. Remarkably like sort of it's like contradicting quite a basic writing thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give the audience guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure there is no subtext. Yeah, and like sometimes that sort of brutal honesty works really well. But with this it just feels very lazy and there's a completely unnecessary voiceover in the film which just uh, has the characters say what they're thinking. But then in every scene, they say what they're thinking. And then they repeat what they've said to one character or another character. And it's also true of just the general plot mechanics. For example, there's like a scene where a character says to Emma Stone's character, like, oh, Rita told me something about Abe. And then a scene later, she's like, uh, someone told me you said something about Abe. You know, like just <laughs> sort of basic. Yeah, it's like, like very no need, yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely. So like when he's... When Woody Allen's good, he has a gift for dramatizing ethical dilemmas uh, in a way that make for very rich character dramas, like Hannah and Her Sisters or Crimes and Misdemeanors, like his 80s and 90s films. And um, the interesting idea in this film is the idea of a rational person, like a philosopher, rationalizing the idea of murder, which itself is like is an irrational act mm. to kill somebody. But that's like a sort of kernel of an idea which would form the subtext to a to an actual film yeah but that's like it's the whole film is this one idea and so everything around the film is just built to this one argument which is basically just like a sort of pub coaster sort of point and the film is uh despite being 90 minutes is very baggy and drags but um i think probably the saving grace of this film which is probably true of a lot of his lesser works are the performances are really good like emma stone brings a lot to her character she's like saddled with some really ripe dialogue and um lots of exposition and she somehow makes that kind of work and parker posey has a pretty thankless task as a sort of 
sad, lonely woman, and she brings a lot to it as well. Um, but I think Whacking Phoenix is the best thing in the movie because his casting is like the most original thing about a Woody Allen type film because he's not like a, like a Woody Allen type actor. Yeah. And all like Woody Allen films, even the ones he's not in, has like a Woody Allen character and he's the Woody Allen character. But unlike um, someone like Owen Wilson or John Cusack, he's like completely different to Woody Allen and the way he um, performs the dialogue, it might not have been particularly that good, but it's like very, it's not a Woody Allen impression. And that gives the movie like something. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, he's very, he's always very watchable. But because it can be one of the real weaknesses in um, Woody Allen movies, when you can tell that there's an actor who's doing an impression of Woody Allen, like Edward Norton, and everyone says, "I love." Yeah, you, I can understand like, it bad. because it must be hard not to read the dialogue and just sort of mimic that rhythm. Yeah, Whacking Phoenix is sort of a singular enough actor that he kind of brings something new to it. And also, there's uh, this sort of slightly embarrassing Woody Allen trope of a young, beautiful woman being attracted to, like, a grumpy old guy. Yeah. But with uh, Whacking Phoenix, it just might be me, uh, my personal, like, man crush on him, but, like, I think he does seem like a brooding, enigmatic kind of person. And there's all these lines about Emma Stone, like, he's so interesting, which works a lot better with his casting because he is kind of, like, an interesting, unknowable presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, sort of cachet as an actor. So I kind of bought that in the film. I don't know. I, I quickly was like, oh, okay. It's just like phoned in. You know, it's hard to get excited about it. Yeah. There's like a great quote by Pedro Almodovar when he talks about how he like loves films so much. And there's so much part of his life. He feels that like his life is just there to give him ideas for his films. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is like an amazing quote. But all Woody Allen does is make films. And so it's a bit like he's reached a sort of negative feedback loop of like the only things he's done is made other films. So he's just gotten to this um, this rut of just remaking his earlier he's, films. He's, he's not living life enough to give him ideas for new movies. Yeah, the well is dry, you know. He needs yeah. to sort of... He needs to do something else. He needs to do something else. He needs else to go kayaking like, or like... Have some new experiences, yeah. have a new perspective on something. You he needs know, to something. Start, start an affair with a woman even older than himself <laughs> so he can make a movie about that. Now that would be great. Yeah. So I would say, don't go see this film, uh, Rent Crimes and Misdemeanors on Crimes DVD. Crimes and Misdemeanors is very good. Crimes and Misdemeanors is great. And it's all the same themes, but with jokes. And it's really well put together. And the performances are amazing. And it's a much better... It's like, you know, Irrational Man's a poor remake of Crimes and Misdemeanors. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush. Speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shit. Okay, start reviewing now. So I went to see a film this week. Um, unlike many weeks. We <laughs> 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 just make it up. <laughs> It's amazing no one's found out yet. <laughs> you haven't seen a single film since we started this podcast. Normally I just review things based on a cursory glance of Rotten Tomatoes in the poster, but this time I actually went to see the film. Uh, it's called A Wolf at the Door. It's a Brazilian movie. Um, it was uh, it came out last year in Brazil, but 
has made it to our shores um, as part of the Barbican's Rio Film Festival. And uh, it's been very well reviewed um, amongst a few who've seen it. I'm not totally sure how um, our listeners will be able to get their grubby paws um, on it if they want to see it, um, but I'm sure there's a way. Maybe I'll let you They're know resourceful later. people, our listeners. Yeah. They'll find a way. <laughs> They'll find a way. Um, it's directed by someone called Fernando Coimbra. It's his directorial debut, and it's a kind of noirish tale of sexual obsession that gets out of hand a little bit like double indemnity or um almost like fatal attraction oh cool as well yeah it's it's a very interesting movie it's quite gripping i found it like um very entertaining to watch although um i wouldn't say it's like perfect or anything basically the plot is um it's set in rio and sylvia and bernardo are parents whose daughter has been kidnapped from school and bernardo immediately suspects that the culprit is um a woman he's having an affair with and the three of them are interviewed by police and the story is mainly told in flashbacks leading up to the kidnapping through the mouths of these uh the central characters like sort, of like sort, of... sort of thing yeah well um not really i saw that's what i thought it was gonna like when i was watching it that's one of the things about the movie that um I'm maybe leaping into the middle of my review a little oh, bit, but like there's de- there's a deliberate movie's got a deliberate ambiguity about the motivations and characteristics of the central people in it. So you're not sure exactly what sort of people they are for most of the movie, right? Which is interesting, but there's an extra layer of uncertainty added to the fact that it is all being told by the characters to the police, right? Guy. Okay, yeah. Uh, which I think is maybe one layer more than like they wanted there to be or that sure. was necessary because it starts off with a couple of brief recollections and then the bulk of the movie then becomes a single story. So I was kind of expecting it to be a Rashomon-style, um, unreliable narrator, the same thing told from multiple perspectives, you know, what's really true type of thing. Mm. But then it isn't really right, okay. <laughs> like that. So that kind of threw me a little bit because... I kept. It, I was sort of watching it, thinking, "Oh, but did this really happen? Because it's only what she's saying, you know. And maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe she's putting it that way just to, you know, cast something in such a light, whatever." But then by the end of the movie, it doesn't seem like that element is really necessary for the story to be told, you know. Um, and uh, so it's a bit of a red herring. So that was a bit disconcerting. Um, it's kind of, in some ways, it's a little like the plot of it is kind of trashy. Or, or like a like a pulpy novel or something like that, in that you've got a um, sort of normal middle class couple, and uh, the husband is slightly boorish, and he kind of goes astray, and he meets a sort of sexy woman who becomes like obsessed with him, and then it's like, will she destroy their marriage? Is she a you know, wolf kind at of their door? Is she a wolf at their door? <laughs> but it's sort of uh, given more heft by the really excellent performances and it's very like well told um the story the performances are particularly good the the the, the woman like the two the couple who are having the affair bernardo and rosa um the actors are called milam cortez and leandra leal i'm probably not pronouncing those names remotely correctly but they're both really really fantastic and it's very they have to give incredibly committed performances basically it's done the movie kind of relies on the interplay between these two characters and the uncertainty with not knowing um, what they're going to do to each other next mm. or exactly what they are like or where it's all going. And it's shot with a lot of static 
it's it's shot quite statically there's sort of long scenes where the camera will just stay where it is and you just kind of watch them talking to each other and it puts the audience a little bit on edge because you don't know where the scene is going and sometimes scenes will take sudden left turns where it started out as a kind of normal chatty scene and then like one of them will be the other's throat or something like that um and they're all of like varying lengths you know so sometimes the scene will only last like two minutes and then at other times it will like go on for ages and like something incredibly dramatic will happen and uh it's quite good at keeping you off balance in that way. Right. Um, and the director, I think, is very consciously playing with that. And I think he uses that in order to sell the plot twists that happen later on in the movie when things get quite dark. And, like, for me, they almost got a little bit, like, some of the stuff that happens at the end was almost a bit too unpleasant. Um, and because... I think the more unpleasant a thing that happens in your movie, the more the drama has to justify it. Sure. You know, if something like if awful things happen, there has to be a good reason. Like the more awful they are, yeah. And I don't know if the movie completely justified the like horrendousness of the things that happen at the end. That's probably a spoiler to say like a bit too much, but but I don't know. You know what I mean? No, it's, it's a bit like, like or you just like watching an episode of Lufer or something. Well, that's <laughs> that, that was actually my my thought that it was like um, it's the 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 quality of this is like totally, obviously like much much better than mm-hmm. luther it's much better than that but there's a similar thing like when you're watching luther that um the that, that show relies entirely on the shock value of like horrendous things happening and people doing awful things to each other all the time and it's like this is so adult it's so serious yeah yeah um and it feels a bit cheap yeah, and uh this movie doesn't feel cheap at all but just that when terrible things happen you just think like did it earn it yeah yeah um it's very hard for a movie to like recover from yeah and it it gives it a satisfying climax but i you just not like totally convinced that the story required it but yeah but i i I would definitely recommend seeking out um seeking it out it's very assuredly directed and the performances are really good and it's a genuinely like unpredictable film it's good and also like it's a cool, like, the setting is good, you know? Rio is this beautiful city, and normally when movies are set in Rio, it's either the sort of um, super rich beach life kind of global city thing, or it's the slums and City of God style. And this is more about regular, like, middle-class type people. Um, and uh, so you see a new side of it. And it always feels a bit like you're on holiday if you're watching a movie that's about this, like, beautiful city, and it's, like, super sunny, and they go to the beach and stuff. Cool. So, yeah. Check it out. Oh, check it out. It's our new, like, crazy catchphrases we have, like... Yeah, I just... I didn't say that. I just pressed the button. Some sort of, like, Mad Money style. Yeah. Like. Check it out. Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack. And telephone friends so you know where she's at. Right, that's enough now. Back to film chat. Exciting film chat quiz time now. Way. I Listeners, I just spent the last 10 minutes or so hurriedly preparing a quiz. And now we're going to see how well I did preparing it. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> 10 minutes. This Sorry. Is like, this is like when Sam's... No, no, did said... I say 10 minutes? Yeah. I meant 10 hundred minutes. Right, okay. So how long that is. 1,000 <laughs> minutes. Long time. And uh, so we're going to see how well I did making the quiz and also how well Danny does at the quiz. Okay. So I've got a series of character names and film titles. Uh, they are, or they aren't, Steven Seagal films. Right. And you have to tell whether this is a real Steven Seagal character in Steven Seagal film, 
or not. Okay. And I've got a glamorous um, assistant here who will be noting whether you got the questions right or not. And then at the end, we'll see how you did. Yeah. It's going to be quite rapid, quite quick fire, so okay. you better be on your toes. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Number one, Harlan Banks in Today You Die. Uh, fake. Wrong. Oh. <laughs> Number two, Sasha Petrosevich in Half Past Dead. True. Correct. Harold Guinness in Drink or Die. Fake. Correct. <laughs> Professor Robert Burns in Out for a Kill. Correct. Oh my god. Slant Harlem in Death from Below. Uh, true? Wrong. Oh. Paul O'Bennett in Kill Him Dead. Fake? <laughs> Correct. Mason Storm in Hard to Kill. Fake? Wrong. That's true. <laughs> what? <laughs> John Hatcher in Marked for Death. True? Correct. Luke Butcher in His Name is Kill. (laughs) Is that fake? Yes. And finally, Cody Banks in Agent Cody Banks. That was was Frankie Muniz. Fake. (laughs) That's right. Marianne, how did Danny do? What's his score? Six. Six! Well done, Danny. Out of what? Out of ten. Oh, wow. You win a jar, a small jar of uh, bits of... um, um, I think those are little spare bits of metal from Ikea furniture, from one of the kits when you buy the Fantastic. furniture, you know. So you can use that for your flat pack <laughs> at home if you want. You can also have a J-cloth or a... Uh, a, a this is a real insight into the state of your desk. <laughs> <laughs> or this um, England rugby badge. Oh, marvellous. Well, very apt for today. Absolutely. So congratulations, Danny. Three prizes. That's one prize wow. per two correct answers. Not bad going. Thanks. And thank you very much to Marianne. Thanks, Mazza. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sure the mice will pick that up. <laughs> so it's so a goodbye to Marianne. And it's uh, goodbye to you <laughs> from us. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.